0: When it comes to self-development, no matter the method you use, the vital point is to practice. If you are ready to learn methods to transform your life, actively grow into the potential you know is inside of you, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Vital Point Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Schechter. I'm a psychedelic integration and transformation coach, breathwork facilitator, and an enthusiast of personal growth. You have the capacity to evolve and bring your intentions and dreams into the world, And there's never been more access to so many incredible modalities that can help you on your journey. This podcast will help you learn about new methods to bring into your life, give you practices to follow, and share stories from practitioners who are doing the work so that you can feel inspired to go and practice, because that's the vital point. If you're enjoying the podcast, I'd really appreciate you leaving a review. Subscribe if you're watching it on YouTube or uh, whatever platform you're listening to right now still a new podcast and i'm committed to growing so that more people can learn and have access to these incredible practices and feel inspired to go and try something that will literally change their lives so your help is really appreciated i thank you for supporting the show and my guest on this episode is dr saad al olimat he's a farm phd who is the ceo and founder of silo health which provides education supports legislation, and facilitates integration of psilocybin-supported care. Uh, Dr. Saad wears many hats in addition to his role at uh, Health and as a community pharmacy manager and mental health advocate. He's also the vice president of the Psychedelic Club of Pittsburgh and the co-founder of the Psychedelic Pharmacists Association. And um, Health is a really incredible organization I have the um, honor of helping to host uh, integration workshops with them. And uh, Silo Health has also recently launched their psilocybin peer supporter program, an accessible course designed for anyone seeking to learn about psilocybin and how to support their peers and community members in the responsible and safe use of psilocybin under a risk reduction framework. This fills a much-needed role in a community-based ecosystem alongside trained clinicians and healers to support those looking to heal with psilocybin. And- All right, Saad, welcome to The Vital Point.
1: Hey, nice to be here. It's
0: a nice early early morning here. Uh, happy to have you on.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Jonathan.
0: Yeah, last time we were together was in Florida.
1: Yeah, Tampa.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, that was my first time in Florida, and uh, had a really nice time. You know, you you picked out a great spot for the Silo Health Wellness mm-hmm. Approachment, um, yeah. and how did how did you guys like land on calling it that as opposed to a retreat? Because I really like that. Like, I felt like it gave it a different energy. You know,
1: yeah. no, I I appreciate that. So, really, it's about the intentionality of the words we select. So to emphasize the word retreat is really sort of uh, supporting this con- concept of withdrawing or maybe disconnecting. And of mm-hmm. course, not all retreats are like that by any means. I know many retreat facilitators, retreat owners that have deeply impactful, like connected uh, experiences with their, with their guests. But for us, it's about being intentional with the words. So we chose approachment So that way it really emphasizes the idea of connecting. The idea of you know not to withdraw, but to dive in and connect with the self, with the other, and and also the environment.
0: Yeah, I like that. Um, it, it's something similar to the, like I, I talk about this a lot too. I've I've noticed it within sort of this psychedelic sphere, or coaching integration, um, the the words that we use. Like oftentimes people have these really incredible like transpersonal experiences, and then the way that they're describing it when they're talking, when they're in integration is like, that was crazy. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, like you'll like you never believe what happened. And it's like, well, why are you sort of framing it like that? Like, why is it crazy? You know? And right. it's like, once I started to notice that, I noticed it not only in myself, but like in other people and just, well, why are we talking ourselves out of the magic that's all around us? You know, like, right. so... I, I try to be really cognizant of that and it's definitely something I catch myself saying like, Oh, that, that, that was really crazy sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then I just try to like stop myself, you know? So, uh, so I appreciate that. Yeah. So for, you know, for the listeners, um, sod and his organization silo health, um, invited me as a, one of the facilitators to come to this wellness approachment. that was in April. It's, yeah. it's, hard to believe like so much time has flown by yeah. since then. Um, and we had a really incredible time, um, in terms of doing this, this dry run for what, you know, further down the road, um, is you guys are planning on expanding it. Right. Yeah, and, and totally. having some, some medicine work, um, you know, as, as well, but the, the, uh, the different activities were, were really impactful and really powerful. And uh, one of the things that I really appreciated about it was how much time was spent on the preparation before we actually got there so that it wasn't like, hey, we're meeting these people f- sort of for the first time that we're going to like be really vulnerable with and, and really share and really open up and, and, and bond with. Um, yeah, like it felt like I already knew uh, people and we were already connected. So I felt like there was a lot of uh, good preparation done on that, which, you know, again, like, uh, is something that I think certain people like neglect, like how much of the integration process actually starts with preparation and actually starts with that set and setting and really getting, getting to know yourself and, and what you're getting into rather than like, well, I had this experience and now like, now I have to figure out what to do with it. You right. know? Yeah. Well,
1: and the last thing we wanted to was for people to show up, you know, from traveling all around the, all around the country and then start doing, you know, the icebreakers and start doing the introductions, like why not, you know, and it was kind of like following the clinical trial approach to, you know, dose day support being the extensive preparation process, which includes defining the dose day logistics and building rapport with the people that you're gonna be with. And when it comes to a group of what, 12 people or so, you know, we should definitely have some extensive preparation, I believe, just so that way people can uh, have a good idea as to what type of energy will be in the room, uh, throughout the entire weekend. So I appreciate that you, uh, you appreciated the preparation process.
0: Yeah, like, I feel like it's, um, it's something that I like, I'm continuing to learn. And and I felt like that weekend was a big learning experience for me. Um, Like the way that, you know, I started working with psychedelics, but there was no, nobody talked about preparation. Nobody talked about set and setting. Mm -hmm. Um, The word clinical was not a part of my like syntax or vocabulary at all. It was just like, you're learning things based on the people around you that May or may not have good information or good experiences themselves. Mm-hmm. So, I found myself oftentimes during the weekend because, you know, just just for the background, like there were there were doctors there, and there were people that were very educated, uh, like yourself, you know, about the pharmacology and and the different like you know the biology and the chemistry and and so it was like, wow, like I I often found myself just kind of sitting and soaking it in. You know, and like feeling a little bit like a fish out of water in terms of like the, um, the educational, uh, component of it or like the, the background, but it was, it was also very fascinating of like, look at, look at this big world that's out there. Like there's people that have different experiences and different, um, different motivations or different intentions and different things that have brought them to the same shared space. And yeah. like I I found that that was uh, a very cool thing to just kind of be a part in, you know, uh, like I felt like uh, like a fish in a, like the pond got a little bit bigger, you know, and I was yeah. like, oh, cool. Like I get to interact and meet people that have a totally different background and that I can learn things from. Yeah. And uh, that felt really cool.
1: Totally. Yeah, we're, we're all in the same pond. It's just like, you know, swimming around uh, to meet the other fish. Right. So, yeah. yeah. It was a time and it was, it was cool because, you know, I knew everyone there personally from on different levels of experience. So I have like work colleagues, like my, like my day job, but then I also have my psychedelic, you know, work colleagues, people on the silo health team, close collaborators and being able to, you know, bring everyone together. I mean, that was, I'm so, I'm so grateful for the experience. It's, uh, it, it reminds me of like, uh, you know, how like on Disney channel they had the Sweet Life of Zack and Cody and Hannah Montana and I think I forget the other show, but they had that one that one episode or movie where they brought all of them together. And it was like the Sweet Life on Deck with, like, with all the different characters. It's like whoa, like combination of all these people that were siloed off, you know, in these unique relationships, these unique stories, these these unique ponds, and now okay. here we are in this one big pond with all these fish that we know from different levels of life. So it was. I'm that experience was uh, was a wonderful one and I'm excited for the next the next approach when we decide to uh to 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 plan
0: Hmm. yeah definitely so how how did you get started kind of on this path you know how that led to silo health because I'm assuming that was the sequence (laughs) yeah
1: totally totally so I had my first psychedelic experience when I was a junior in college. So it was my first year of pharmacy school. That's kind of how it works with our program. And I was, you know, I didn't practice any self-care. I did not, I was not really focused on developing a healthy relationship with myself, my family, my community. And I purely pursued the experience out of, out of recreational, you know, experience for recreational experience. I thought, okay, I got to see, you know, cool imagery or colors. Oh, this is going to be fun, right? And we ended up. My, my friend uh, he surprised me with a bag of mushrooms that day, and he said, "Hey, like I have a surprise for us." And like, oh, okay, like let's do it. So we went to his girlfriend's house, who I didn't really know, with her roommate, who I didn't really know, and then again in a house I've never been in. Um, so I was with them. We took right under three grams each, and I'm of context. I'm like really allergic to cats, and there were cats there. It was like a fully carpeted home. And I was already struggling to breathe, like, oh, okay, this will be fine. And it was really not fine. Like, the, once the experience kicked in, I was tunnel visioning in and out of reality. It was honestly a horrible experience. I thought I was dying and I had to get out of there. I couldn't breathe. I was going inside and outside just trying to get catch my breath. It was a really, you know, horrible situation for me. And I then texted my one my really great friend I was like, "Hey, can you please come pick me up and take me back to your house?" And he did that. Very grateful because that that setting was completely different. You know, his his home is you know I was there a lot of my uh, my, my teenage my teenage life of growing up in my hometown. So the setting was much more familiar, much more comfortable, and that's where the flood of insights really started coming in. And then the next day, I just remember you know thinking about it, and I'm like, "Wow, like." You know, a lot of this stuff that I was burying underneath me came up and I faced it. And Mm. the way I explained the experience to people at the time was I felt as though my entire life I was wearing sunglasses and I finally took them off for the first time. To where Mm. like nothing's different, but everything's a little different. And I felt a sense of clarity for the first time. Uh, A lot of other insights came up. Uh, but essentially I became very curious about this experience. This was right you know, around five and a half years ago or so now, and that a year from then I was just following reading about it. I was reading up about Terence McKenna. I came across a the Stone theory that was deeply fascinating to me. So I just followed my curiosity, stumbled upon maps, Zendo project, you know, joined some newsletters, subscribed to some stuff, read a lot or just read a lot of my own time. And it was my second year of pharmacy school where I diagnosed myself with depression, major depressive disorder, generalized anxiety disorder. I was really struggling mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I was very disconnected at the time with my friend group and my family. And I decided to, you know, rather than going the the traditional and antidepressant route, I decided to source mushrooms and I, you know, consumed five grams after extensive preparation, because now I knew what preparation was. Now I knew set and setting. Now I knew what the heck integration was loosely at the time. Right. So I did a lot of preparation work, which was just my mindful journaling um, intention setting, a lot of education. And I took, I had the experience and it was completely liberating. It was, it changed my life forever. And, you know, I just remember the imagery of, uh, feeling as though my entire life I've been like a caterpillar. And I actually shared a bit about this at the wellness approachment when we were doing our journaling session with Ian. Um, and I felt I was in like a caterpillar, just trying not to be stepped on, always my head down, just like, you know, not not really this is just getting by. And here I am now under my blankets, all rolled up in like this cocoon. And I'm here I'm like really just like reflecting and and, you know, processing. And I just remember just this surge of energy to where I like just like just got out of the cocoon and I stuck my hand out through the blankets and I just felt so like free like oh, I can breathe like oh my gosh like wow and uh you know I'll never forget that that feeling of uh just just freedom and it was it was everything I needed at the time uh, as, a, as a younger adult and you know what happened from there was a sequence a sequence of events where essentially I would talk to my friends about this and they would get closed off. You know, it's so still very stigmatized, and many even today is still very stigmatized. Um, I had no one to talk to about this. This is about four and a half years ago or so now. So I just integrated it on my own my own way, and I joined a lot of uh, professional organizations on campus, uh, some community organizations. I was elected as the youngest board member of the Southside Community Council, the borough I lived in, and in, in the Pittsburgh community. I was the president of the Pediatric Pharmacy Advocacy Group. I was the vice president of the Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association, treasurer of Phi Delta Chi. And uh, I specifically, I wanted to share that I was the international vice president of the American Pharmacists Association. So I did all that in one year while juggling you know, two part-time jobs and being a full-time student. And I loved it. I absolutely freaking loved it. And I felt more meaning because I remember from the experience, it's like, if I die, like what, what have I done? You know, like, what have I actually accomplished? Who have I impacted? Like, what, what, like, what do I have to say for myself? And that was just like a, like a, wow. Like, you know, I don't need to do this for glory. I'm not doing it for glory. I'm not doing it for recognition. I'm doing it because like the value of service and being connected for a greater purpose, like there's something so raw about it. And that's what I did for, for a year. And it was a year after that second experience. So I this was a year after that uh, five gram mushroom experience. I was actually I flew out to Seattle to represent the American Pharmacists Association or Duquesne chapter. And I was there from Thursday to Sunday. And on Sunday, it was like the closing ceremony. So I asked my advisor, Hey, do you care if I go explore downtown Seattle? She's like, Oh, yeah, go do your thing. So and mind you, again, I've had no community. I've had no one to talk to about my experiences. There was, I, I was, I was just doing it myself and, you know, I was learning and growing and I was, it was, I was very passionate about it, but I was, I would be laughed in my, like, I would talk to my friends about this and they'll laugh at my face saying, oh, you think mushrooms are going to be able to help cure or alleviate symptoms of depression? Like they would la- like la- laugh at me. And I'm like, yeah, I, I do think that. Right. So I was wandering, wandering around downtown Seattle and you know, I go to like a gourmet dumpling spot and, you know, just exploring. And I, for lunch, I end up at a wood stove bagel coffee shop. And I'm like, okay, I've never had a wood stove bagel before. Let's give it a shot. So I get my bagel and my coffee. I sit down on my laptop and it's dead. So then I look way across the room. There's this one table by itself with with an outlet. So I go there, plug my plug my laptop in. And I'm sitting down and then right to my left is a group of about maybe 10 to 12 people with name tags on. They say, hi, my name is so-and-so. And in the middle of the table, it says SPS. So I'm, I'm like, they're like, they're like energetic. They're friendly. I can like, feel, like I feel their presence and we're right beside each other. So I'm getting work done. And then I'm, as I'm getting my work done, that's when they start talking about like Timothy Leary and, you know, ayahuasca, psilocybin, DMT. And I'm like, whoa, like what's going on? And they say, Oh, we're the Seattle Psychedelic Society. We meet up at a random coffee shop on Sundays. Would you care to join us for conversation? And like, here I am like in awe. Like, yes, of course. And I, you know, close my laptop and I scoot on in. And I was there for maybe two, two and a half hours just talking with complete strangers about psychedelics. And you you look at that table and you have old people, young people, you know, people of color, white, white folk. And here we are bonding and connecting about like the mystical experience and the philosophical underpinnings of what psychedelics are and the ethical, uh, ethical considerations it has in our clinical frameworks. And I found community all across the country. So from that experience, I came back to Pittsburgh the very next uh, that night. And then that next day on Monday, I created the Pittsburgh psychedelic society as a meetup group. Uh, That's what they recommended me to do. So then I, I did that and, you know, people started coming to our, the random coffee shop on Sundays that we would host, we would host meetups and, uh, that introduced me to sitting with folks. You know, I would never source, I would just sit and, you know, I did the preparation work with people, the sitting, the integration, just following up. I was very, I had a lot of metrics established for it, just like, just to see how they do before and after the experience to see if there's any actual changes. And it was really cool to just to do my own, like my own research. Um, I started doing that with Isaiah, uh, who who you know, Isaiah Noriega. We started uh, just like he was he was really helping on like the uh, providing some insight about what we should be doing, and him and I decided to co-found Silo Health because we needed to step away from this kind of gray area and be more in the you know education legislation integration front so that we can be very public facing. Just because with my doctorate degree pending. My licensure you know coming up soon, I recognize that there's a lot that I don't know what I, I, I didn't know how to navigate it uh, you know four, three or four years ago. So establishing silo health was really for, for us a need for me a need to do uh, because I couldn't keep doing the, the gray work. So we are focused on the education, legislation and integration of what we call psilocybin supported care. So we're very, very focused on calling it psilocybin supported care versus psilocybin assisted therapies, because if you call it a therapy, it always means that it's clinical and technically it has to be an FDA, indication. So being able to ensure that this is, you know, uh, homegrown, that this is through the community led by the community, we went uh, and also not to have to like say, oh, you have a disease. Let's treat the disease. Like let's go ahead and just call it care. Right? So psilocybin supported care versus psilocybin assisted therapy. And yeah, you know, yeah, we're that's what that's how we got into it. That's how I got into it. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing right now.
0: That's amazing. I didn't know that you were doing that sort of sitting and supporting work in that way. And yeah. um that's you know, that's that's something that I'm curious about in terms of like people that are doing their own work. Um I actually had a a client just the other day, we were talking about it. Um, You know, she she was asking me like, well, how can, how do I tell if my microdosing is working? Mm. And I said, well, I think it's pretty easy. You know, like there's, there's two different components to this, right? Like you can, there's things that you can measure in a very black and white way. Like if you're creating, like we talked about creating um, like a daily routine a morning program with meditation, with journaling, with gratitude practice Mm. um, with and she wanted to improve her sleep. So I'm like, okay, these are these are very measurable things, right? Like you can check it off every day. Did I meditate this morning? Did I do my gratitude practice? Did I do my journaling? Did I get to bed by eight o'clock or whatever time it is? Mm. And then there's these other things where it's like it's not quite as black and white as that, but you can still measure it every day you know, on a scale of one to five, how anxious did I feel today? How, how happy did I feel? You know, how did I feel while I was doing these things Mm -hmm. and then just tracking it over time of like, you start to see the patterns, you start to see the shifts. Um, and then we can also go back and say, okay, well, we're not getting the results that we want here. So what else can we do? What can we tweak? Um, So I'm curious if you have anything to like to add to that or like sort of like best practices that you found doing that work um, to that to that process, because I think that people are sort of trying to figure these things out on their own a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, just because you can measure it doesn't mean it's the only source of value. Right. Um, It's also just like, yeah, like that sense of that feeling you have as you reflect on your own personal development. You know, it's not like looking at the other and saying, "Oh, they're doing X, Y, Either checking the boxes, like I need to be doing that. It's about like how how comfortable am I in my own skin? But also, it comes down to the person's intentions. You know, you can't really say like one person and their experience with microdosing or with higher dose day experiences, or you know, their integration practice. The what one the way one person practices it and finds success in it is completely different than the other. It's a very personalized mm-hmm. approach to the individual. So for me, like. I think that self-forgiveness is a, is a, it was a big is a big sticking point. So it's like okay, maybe I didn't check those boxes, but how do I feel about myself for in the sense that I did not? Like am I do, like am I optimistic in knowing that tomorrow like tomorrow's a new day. You know, today it was busy, I understand that. I'm not going to beat myself up. Let's go ahead and get back into it again tomorrow. Or am I going to be like, "Oh my god, I didn't do it. I'm falling off the path." Like that like and then go into these negative thought loops, negative thought patterns. You know, what's yeah. what's like uh, What's the healthier or what's the, what's the, I want to say healthier, but what's the, what's like, maybe just like the better, you know, the better mindset there, right? The more forgiving mindset. And again, it comes down to the individual, but at the end of the day, both those people didn't check the box. So, you know, just because they didn't check the box, right? Like, and I guess you can also make another box saying, oh, I forgave myself for not <laughs> checking the box. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. It's uh. it's, I think it's very unique to the person and their, their own goals and their, their intentions and their practice.
0: Yeah, I guess, I guess what I mean is like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like for myself, I feel like I stumbled into a lot of those things that, that you're talking about. Like, yeah. it's like, like, sort of like looked up one day and realized like, Oh, wait, there's like, there's all these things that have changed. And like, mm-hmm. I feel different. I feel more forgiving towards myself. I I love myself more. Um, I have more awareness around these different areas. And then After that, it was like, okay, well, how can I start to, how can I start to track this? How can I start to, um, to, to help myself and also like, how can I help somebody else so that they're not going through the same sort of pitfalls, uh, that, that I went through or like, Mm -hmm. how can, how can I take my experience and then like shorten somebody else's experience a little bit, like help them get to the same place quicker. Uh, or oh, yeah. give them more, give them the resources that I wish I had when I was starting out, you know, give them right. that knowledge of like, oh, here's things you can do. Like, I didn't know that stuff, you know, when I was starting out, um, uh, right. and like, I know we, like for the, for the wellness approachment, we had some things, some tools that we use like that as well. Like in terms of like surveying, like where your mental state was at, like, um, and, you know, how happy do I feel on a regular basis? Am I taking care of myself in these different, you know, in these different ways? And then being able to measure that or retake that assessment, uh, like a month after the, the approach meant like, Oh, what, what has, you know, what has changed? So I think like, I feel like those having those tools is something that can be really helpful and, and mm. make it more intentional rather than. You know just sort of stumbling along trying to figure out the best way on on or, on your own which it sounds like both of us totally. sort of have done in our own ways right
1: yeah yeah i, I mean i think just having a support group goes mm. a long way you know if you can find friends whether they be in person or online or whatever whatever community you're part of and finding those people that want to support you in those goals but you have to also be very you, know, you have to you have to be willing to share those goals and be open to that constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. So it's really just yeah, as Terrence McKenna said, find the others, right? Right. So I think it's really what it comes down to. Yeah. But then of course those very you know those routines, those habits you you try and uh, try and practice on a day to day
0: basis. Another thing that like stuck out to me in your story is that that um, that insight or that experience of you know you you the way that you put it was like coming out of coming out of the cocoon or like coming out of the caterpillar stage into into this new stage and like the it sounds like that experience had a pretty large impact on you um that so how how has that experience like continued to unfold and are are there any things that you do to either remember it or to like encourage it or to continue to like um, to dive into it, to explore it more.
1: Yeah, I, I, think that one thing that's been cool is if I ever find myself, um, maybe just like with like some negative thought loops, whether it be at work or, um, you know, just going about some different activities, just cause there's a lot going on with the pharmacy world, the psychedelic world, my own personal life. And, you know, I'll read, I'll see whether it be, I'll see a butterfly just flapping its wings randomly. And it kind of just grounds me instantly, or I'll see someone walking by with a butterfly tattoo on their shoulder. And I'm like, it just, it just instant, instant grounding. And it reminds me of the experience to just to like, let go and, and, uh, and, you know, surrender to an mm-hmm. extent, like you can't control everything. And I think it's, that's one thing that I'm balancing is taking, controlling what I can control and, and then, and then everything else just trusting in that. So the being able to see those, you know, those symbols on a day-to-day Fortune, Thank goodness. A lot of people have butterfly tattoos. <laughs> um, that's been nice. But then it's, uh, yeah, it's in terms of like how else I've integrated that. It's just really being mindful, like f- being thoughtful, being, being present as often as I can. I mean, the experience there's, I think there's a lot you can learn from every experience, but then also, I'm still integrating experiences from several right. years back. You know, I, I'm still processing things from a long time ago. And, you know, that, that's where the beauty of, of having that community support comes in to where I can share about the experience. And then one person will ask a question and then it's an explosion of thought. Like, oh, my gosh, I never thought of mm-hmm. it that way. You know, for example, in my I shared with my good friend Bill that in that same experience, I had like a a pixie, you know, like fairy creature, tell me to save the butterflies. And then and I'm like, what the heck, like save the butterflies? How am I supposed to do that? And, you know, you know, I wasn't sure how to process that at all. And, you know, three years, four years later, you know, I met my current partner and she dropped me off to a, uh, or she picked me up from a psychedelic, uh, a Pittsburgh Psychedelic Society meetup, and Bill was there. And, you know, Bill was aware of this experience I've integrated with him, and I said, "Oh, Bill, come meet you know, come meet my partner Marielle." And on her on her finger was a butterfly that day, with a with a with a ripped off wing. And his name was Mo because her father ran over the butterfly while mowing the lawn, and she and and she you know being who she who she is saved that butterfly, mm-hmm. and you know Bill was like. Saw, that's it. like your experience to save the butterfly. And I'm like, like, oh my gosh, like what the heck? And you know, call you know, who knows what that is, right? We can't quantify. There's no science there. This could be, you know, we're maybe taking leaps and bounds. But for me, it's that that's there's like so much meaning there. Because rather than just understanding that there's meaning, it's feeling that sense of meaning that you get from the the experience itself. And, you know, that's just like one example about the value of integration, but also just the beauty of what happens to your perspective, perhaps post-experience, depending on, you know, how you, how you process these things.
0: Yeah. It sounds like the, the community aspect is really important to you because people are sharing in that, that meaning that, that you are finding in that value, that richness that you um, have discovered within your own experiences and then they can like support and like celebrate and give you additional perspective, um, or reminders like, Hey, see that butterfly tattoo or, Oh, look at that. Like, look at how those things, um, interrelate to each other. And that, that's, that's, that's super beautiful. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's the whole thing about like, um, like, you know, within Buddhism, it's like emptiness is like that. Nothing has a meaning or an identity of it uh, in and of itself. Everything has identity and meaning based on what we assign to it. And that that's completely valid. Right. And that's why like one person can, you know, see like some sort of guru and the other person sees like an old man, you know, just like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. so like, so that that's wonderful that like people, you have people around you that can share in that, in that vision and in that meaning that's, you know, been so important to you, so impactful.
1: Yeah. And, and just being a part of the integration process for other people and supporting that. I mean, you're, you're an integration specialist uh, with Silo Health as well. And I've also led integration workshops, integration circles, and hearing people speak about their insights, their experience. I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, I, it, I feel like it, it lets me learn more about myself mm. as well as I support other yeah. people, like, just like, you know, just, just like the, the additional perspective and the conclusions there. And like, maybe just, again, that the way it's able to bring you back to the experience mm. almost, I think, I think it's wonderful. But then as you mentioned too, it's like, we have that, you know, that shared, this is a shared experience where we can help make meaning of it together. And one analogy that kind of came to my mind as you are talking about that, it's kind of like the Marvel universe. I don't know if you're big into Marvel movies, the superhero movies, but it's like, you know, you can watch the movie by yourself or with others and you have this experience, you know, your your unique perspective on that movie. But then someone else will be like, oh, like, did you see like that cameo of Stan Lee? Or, oh, did you see, oh, who's Stan Lee? And like, bam, there's a whole bunch of stuff there. I said, oh, did you see like that Star Wars figure? Because of the, and then you can talk about, like some of the background of Marvel and Disney, right? And so there's like so much that the sh- that shared perspective and community has to offer to the value of the experience that you're, that you're experiencing. And it's, it's enriching and it's sustainable too. You know, it's one thing to go, and, and if you wanna watch the movie over and over and over again, right? You're gonna be spending a lot of money on renting that movie out or, you know, going to the movie theater. But if you're able to do a monthly, oh, let's talk about you know Spider Man, the new Spider Man together, and you can just talk about it, and relive it through the words of others and perspectives of others. Not only will you be able to tap into that experience of the movie, but you're also going to be able to get so much more insight from others' perspectives of the movie and challenge them and and build on them. So it's I think that's one of the more sustainable approaches is uh, that, that community based integration.
0: Yeah, there's definitely something in community and. One of the things that came up for me as you were talking was like the, you know, with like within trauma work, um, there's like a saying of like, you know, we don't heal in isolation. Like you, you heal by, by being witnessed um, by, by sometimes like the, per- the other party isn't doing anything other than seeing you, you know, that, that you're able to like have this completion uh, with some, with somebody there. Like seeing you and being accepting of it, just holding the space. Um, so there's something there's something magic in in that community aspect of just being seen, of being heard, and and like you you know like you were saying in, in terms of your experience, and I've I've heard this from uh, a lot of people of like that frustration of not having anybody to share their experience with. You know, like that can, I think that can feel really suffocating to people, uh, especially like when it's something pretty major that they're trying to unpack and like, um, process and digest and like, you know, not being able to share that with the people that they have intimacy with or that they feel really close to. Um, and all of a sudden, like you said, like, here's somebody that five minutes ago was a stranger and yet you're able to like connect with them in such a. Uh, strong way and like, Oh yes, you get it. You know, like I can, I can talk about this with you. Like, this is, this is so good. Like this is what I've been looking for, you know? So there's, mm. there's something that's magical, um, you know, about that in the community that we are a part of right now. Right. Um, which is like you said, you know, there's, there's definitely some gray. Um, and, you know, s- sometimes we're sort of skirting the line of certain things and, Um, it came up for me yesterday. I was talking to somebody about like, they were like, Hey, like, do you want to come on my podcast? And then they said, well, how do we talk about the legality of this? And I said, well, that's up to you. You know, like, like we can certainly talk about it being for education and, you know, safety and harm reduction. Um, we could also talk about like how it's changing. Like there's, you know, like we're in this very transitional place right now where like, we're going from the black to the white, you know, and stopping in various shades of gray. And then there's other places where it's like, no, we're, we just don't have to worry about that anymore. And that's, that's a really, a really amazing thing. Um, and I'm curious about like your take with that in terms of, you know, silo health being involved in legislation and, you know, um, in education, like where, where do you see sort of the, psychedelic movement going and like the direction that we're headed in.
1: Totally. Yeah. So there's like the, the what's realistic and then there's, what's hopeful, right? So what's realistic is that this, this is going to be, a, you know, clinically approved by the FDA, uh, you know, MDMA first and then psilocybin and then potentially others. Um, so, you know, MDMA for treatment for uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, psilocybin for treatment-resistant depression, uh, major depressive disorder, and eventually generalized anxiety disorder and a whole bunch of other things. The beauty behind psychedelics is that they're transdiagnostic agents. So they, they you know, they span across different diagnoses. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing that the FDA has already granted breakthrough designation status for those two compounds. And there's a lot of research coming out for all these different indications, as well as these other, other psychedelic uh, uh, compounds. So there's no question, in my opinion, that the FDA will approve these compounds and these will become legally accessible through a like REMS program, which is a risk evaluation mitigation strategy. It's, it's a very controlled uh, approach to uh, ensuring that patients get the medicine appropriately through the standards of the manufacturer that uh, did all, all of the R&D for that medicine. So that includes a lot of the you know, follow-up, which is gonna be the te- technically the integration aspect of it, just seeing how side effects are, how people are processing just to get more data for the industry, so that's going to happen. Like I, in my opinion, there's really no question about it. like that's going to happen. It's just how how hmm. will it happen? You know who will be the facilitators? Who are going to be? You know how will this be accessible? You know what type of dosage formulations will these come in? Is it going to be only tablets? Will they be you know inhalations? Will they be injections? You know what? There's a lot of different questions there. But at the end of the day, FDA approval route is I believe almost guaranteed. But what I'm hopeful for is the community-centered healing approach. So, you know, and I guess I can touch upon Oregon real quick. Oregon is kind of like that in-between to where they're gonna be legalizing it throughout the state as psilocybin services, right? They also don't call it psilocybin therapy, though they are following a very therapeutic approach. Uh, The state will be, you know, licensing facilitators, uh, retreat centers, or like you say, clinic centers. And there's a lot of different regulations they're carving out right now, so that way by 2023, People can, you know, legally consume psilocybin in a safe and supportive setting in Oregon, uh, and they will not be penalized by the law um, there, which is great. Although it is still going to be technically illegal federally, so it's a, it's a weird thing there. Um, for me, it's it's about keeping it in the zip code. You know, how can we make sure that these are as community-driven and community-led and, and as possible, because. Yes, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing the work that's done in Oregon. It's especially wonderful for Oregonians, but for the, for the other 49 states and other folks around the around the world who are struggling, do we really expect them to travel, you know, all the way, whether it be across the country, across the right. world, to legally consume psilocybin, for and then have a couple of days of integration and maybe a call, a phone call a month later, or a text message a month later? while they go back to their own you know, country, their own state and kind of potentially fall into the same negative patterns that they don't have community. You know, when we earlier in this call, we stressed the importance of community in terms of the sustainability and just the benefits that community uh, processing has to offer. So how can we keep this in the community legally? And that's what I think some uh, awesome decriminalize uh, decriminalize uh, nature efforts are doing. So that's a very touchy subject. Some of the work they're doing and how they approach it, but at the end of the day, if you're able to decriminalize the possession, ingestion, and cultivation of entheogens, you know I think that's a win for the movement. But that's again a very touchy subject when it comes to you know psychedelic exceptionalism and uh, just like some of the politics that the decrim nature leaders have have sort of have sort of uh, followed. Um, so with that said, what we're trying to create with Silo Health is a community care system framework. And these frameworks are to be adopted by any community that wants to do it. And I would love to be able to see peer supporters. uh, So specifically uh, registered psilocybin peer supporters working in tandem to community care clinicians to help well around the approach for the peer from preparation to integration. So if we're able to keep it in the zip code, that prevents this idea of having to do this like tourist like you know, retreat experience over in Oregon, or maybe down in, uh, somewhere in South America or Jamaica, um, or central America. So being able to do it in the zip code, I I think is really what the ideal situation is like, but the question is, how do we get there?
0: So that, I think that's a good segue into talking about the silo health, uh, psilocybin peer support program. So can you just give us an overview of, of that program?
1: Yeah, totally. So. i realize so being in the in the community um for quite some time now here in pittsburgh I, i came across a lot of misinformation a lot of maybe potentially unwise decision making or recommendations so the role of the peer supporter is to help counter the spread of misinformation as psychedelics become more mainstream but then on top of that is for educational and risk reduction purposes as well so in terms of educating, like uh, being able to provide information for the community about what dosing looks like, what are the side effects of the psilocybin experience, what does the arc of the experience look like from start to finish generally, um, be able to understand the philosophical like approach to uh, harm reduction, the archetypes of harm reduction, how to attend to your peer. Like, these are all things that I believe that anyone and everyone can learn and that everyone and in- anyone should be able to understand when it comes to having these conversations about psychedelics. And the role of the peer supporters is, is tapped into this idea of healer inclusivity. You know, to us, healer inclusivity means that anyone and everyone should have the right and knowledge to support someone's dose day, period. If we keep it only in the cl- world of clinicians, yes, it's going to be extremely safe and that's what we need, but it's also going to be relatively unaccessible and relatively unaffordable. And again, like We are we are already seeing this bottleneck approach to how many clinicians actually know what psychedelics are even about. So how are we to expect that people are going to find that access to safety through clinicians, especially if we're trying to keep it in the zip code? So the goal of the role of the peer supporter is to sort of undercut that bottleneck approach and by by empowering everyone to understand the safety considerations, the uh, how to how to support someone hands on during the experience if necessary, and how to recommend healthy integration practices. So the peer supporter role, we are creating this program. It's going to be launched on September 20th, which is Global Magic Mushrooms Day. And we want all the information to be completely free to access, period. Right. We can't be like, oh, it's about access and affordability. And then say, all right, it's going to be $800, you know, to access this program. Like, no, like, like, we're not, we're not, we're not reinventing the wheel. We're just taking a lot of other information, a lot of other experience, perspective, and consolidating it. And yes, that's a lot of time and energy. And because of that, we are gonna be charging for a certificate uh, of completion. That certificate of completion is gonna be a prerequisite to apply to become a registered peer supporter because a registered peer supporter will eventually be vetted, will have like a lot of live and synchronous training and uh, be able to be accessible online via database. So that way we can help people find their local support for peer support purposes.
0: Yeah, it's a great program, and I've I've been fortunate enough to go through the beta test of it and just see what you guys are doing, and uh, I really support it. And You know, it's something that came up to me as I started to get more involved in sort of the quote-unquote plant medicine world is like, well, just just what you're saying. Like, it's great that someday you're going to be able to go to a clinic somewhere and get, you know, this therapeutic model, but that doesn't work for everybody. Not everybody uh, is going to find that appealing and, or have access to that. So what about these other, um, settings? You know, what about other people and everything in that program is like, like you said, it's, it's not reinventing the wheel, but it's like all the things that are good to know all in one place. Rather than like, like, you know, like I was saying in the beginning of the of the the episode, like having to rely on the people around you that may or may not have been educated or have good, you know, information. Yeah, I'm, I'm really just a big fan of what you guys are doing with that. And, you know, I think that there's a, a huge need for it. Like you said, um, one of the things that really stuck out with that is like the yes, we're going to need all these clinicians, but like all the clinicians do not have experience with, with psychedelics. And that's something that's really important. Um, you know, for somebody, especially that's like going through a large experience, is like, you know, like, like we've been talking about the community aspect of it, you know, being understood. And, um, I don't think that we can expect every clinician to, you know, to have that experience themselves so that they like understand exactly what they're, they're doing to people. And, you know, it's, it's something that, uh, that my partner and I, I uh, have, have been talking about amongst ourselves of like, um, well, there's this danger of clinicians being able to prescribe things that they don't necessarily have the experience with. And so like having, having that, you know, that zip code support as you, as you called it, I think is super, super important as, as this continues to spread. Um, to have more people that are educated, that understand what integration is, that understand the the role of harm reduction and the importance of set and setting, and can you know also like help them learn skills to be supported and like you know increase um, their set is just so so important. I think as it becomes more and more mainstream it's just an interesting place we're in.
1: Yeah, I agree. And you know, we also just need a standardization. Like just because you know, set and setting doesn't mean like you know how to help de-escalate a situation, right? So just basic de-escalation skills, how to tactically use open-ended versus closed-ended questions depending on the situation. And these are all things that we touch upon in this program, program as well for the general layperson.
0: Yeah. And, and, and that, that importance of like, Hey, this is accessible to everybody, you know, and you might not need it for, uh, you know, you might not need a certificate, but it doesn't mean that it's not good information for you to have. Uh, and, and that's, that's fantastic. And, you know, I'm already seeing it in different communities that I'm in of like people asking the, these exact questions of like, Hey, how do I get more involved? there is something about that as well, you know, with psychedelics, it seems like a a pretty common experience of like people have a pretty transformative approach or um, experience, and then they want to share that with others or they want to figure out how they can be of service. And so like, this is such a good place to start. um, Not only because of the quality of the program, but because of the accessibility of it, you know, because I think a lot of people now when they're in that place, are looking at all these different certificate programs all these different uh things that are available and with various price points um and the sort of inability to um maybe see like how effective they are or like what the authority uh on on the sourcing is and trying to make a decision about like well which one should i do what's you know i don't want to i don't want to waste my right. money and things like that and So, you know, just going through the beta program myself, uh, I saw a lot of doctors and a lot of people with like really good, solid experience, uh, contributing to, to that program. And, you know, that I was like, okay, this is, this is a really well thought out, you know, it's definitely not half baked. Um, you guys spent your, you know, spent a lot of time and and energy and effort putting together like a really solid program that is a value to, to everybody. So I appreciate for you that.
1: And I'd like to take the time now just to say, you know, thank you to all the Silo Health collaborators and team members. You know, from you know we have Scott Jensen, he's done an extraordinary amount of work here. Uh, Hannah Hannah Koch, uh, David Sella, Justin Belko, uh, Doctor Jahan, you know Manesh Kern, Isaiah, Amy. Uh, we have had an, ex- an extraordinary amount of uh, wonderful people to help put this uh, program together. You I'm, I'm I'm deeply grateful for their contributions, their, their energy. You know it's it's hard to balance all the things in life, plus take on a whole educational program that we imagine will really kind of refresh the perspectives of some people in the psychedelic space. That's that's the goal, and to help create a solid infrastructure of sustainability and community-led healing initiatives. So that's that's the goal there. Um, so yeah, I just want to be just ex- express the gratitude for them and the others that I may not have. Uh, uh, named, so just thank, I want to thank them so much. <laughs> yeah, time, absolutely. The, the time
0: and especially like, just to see that. That this program now about to be released and, uh, you know, flourishing and that's gotta be a good feeling. Yeah. So appreciative to all of them. Yeah. What, uh, what's next for, for Silo health.
1: Yeah. So it's going to be launching this program here, you know, 11 days from our, our conversation. Uh, after that, it's going to be looking like uh, strategizing some future approachments, wellness approachments. Uh, we're gonna be creating uh, the uh, community care clinician and educational program as well. So that way we can help create trainings for clinicians so that way they can work in tandem to the peer supporter. Uh, we're gonna, we're already in the process of uh, putting together a database uh, for geolocation purposes. so That way people can access this database for free and find their local registered peer supporter or local registered community care clinician. So it's really just gonna be creating, curating and creating different educational programs for clinicians, for peer supporters, and to also create uh, the integration specialists, right? So the, the work that you do, that uh, Sarai does, that David, um, Daniel, Bradford, Scott, being able to put together a curriculum to also create more integration specialists, because as we had more people experiencing those days, we needed more people to help support people with integration. All afterwards. Right.
0: Absolutely. Just creating a, a bigger infrastructure and a bigger network. The, uh, mycelial web yeah. is growing. Exactly, yes, sir. <laughs> It's a beautiful <laughs> thing, man. And I appreciate the work that you're, that you're doing. Well, Thank you. we'll, uh, we'll make sure to put the link to the psilocybin peer support on the, on the show page as well. So definitely if you're listening to this, uh, you should check that out. It's, um, has a lot of value. And, you know, even, even for somebody like myself, where like, I felt like some of the things, um, I knew, or I was familiar with, um, not only was it like a good refresher of like, Hey, like, remember this, this is, this is good to know. Um, I felt like I learned, you know, something as well, you know, definitely like, especially like around the, uh, harm reduction and like, you know, uh, safety aspect of it. So, um, there's a lot of value there regardless of kind of where you're at in your own work and your own journey. Um, you know, unless you're working in isolation, which as we've talked about, <laughs> not necessarily the best thing, um, community is, is, is so powerful. So it's, it's definitely something you should check out. <sighs> man, this has been a great, uh, great conversation. So good to, to, to catch up with you. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, like my, my wellness approachment experience has continued to kind of integrate and and open up. And, um, it's been something that kind of set the tone for the earlier on in the year. And it's just kind of continued to, to evolve and, it's been a, a really beautiful thing and I appreciate being, uh, asked to be a part of it.
1: 100%. Yeah. Thank you for being yeah. a part of it.
0: Well, cool. Um, so if people want to know more about silo health, uh, where, where should they go?
1: Yeah, go to the website. Uh, we're active, uh, on social subscribe to our newsletter. We'll be pumping out a monthly newsletter as well with some cool information updates. And, uh, you know, we're going to be, yeah, we'll, just, we'll be active through those platforms. And then of course, feel free to email me at any time. If you have any specific questions, uh, would like any support in navigating the ecosystem. I have some really awesome colleagues in the space that I can try and connect you to if it makes sense to do so. So, you know, you just know that you're not in this alone and that you can all, always reach out at any
0: time. Yeah. And, uh, another thing I wanted to mention is, you know, just, just like Saad, uh, talked about how impactful those, uh, integration groups were to to him. Uh you know, that's one of the things I appreciate about Sada Health is that they're offering multiple integration circles online um for free every month um that, you know, there's a, there's a resource there for you to connect to other people to, you know, to be seen and heard and share your experience and experience that um uh, that sense of community as well. So it's definitely a uh, something that would be good to Uh, take advantage of if you're especially if you're new to the space and you know you're you're looking for that connection and community like like Saad was talking about hope you guys enjoyed this conversation as much as I did hope to see you again on the vital point hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did I'd love it if you leave a review follow me on instagram at blue magic alchemy if you'd like to learn more about transformation integration, and how to connect through coaching, breathwork, and meditation. Remember that regardless of the methods you're practicing, the vital point is to practice.